Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Don Hunsberger. And Don is the newly declared Catholic Man of the Year for the Diocese of Orange and for St. Joseph Radio. So welcome to our program. Thank you. And if you would be so kind, Don, to lead us in a brief word of prayer, I think we would all appreciate it. I'd be happy to, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather and to live, to extol the the message of your sacred church. We We thank you for the blessings that you've given to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask to have continued perseverance in our seeking the metanoia towards being closer to Christ throughout our lives. And in all these things, uh, we pray as we, we thank you for St. Joseph Radio, which is such a tremendous source of blessing to so many Catholics and I think quite a few non-Catholics. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Father, Father, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Thank you so very much. My pleasure. And we are talking to Don Hunsberger, who was nominated to become Catholic Man of the Year by the St. Thomas More Society of Orange County. And let me highlight a couple of the things that were said about you. Uh, and again, this was an event that was held a couple of weeks ago, and it takes men from across the Diocese of Orange. We had uh, Bishop Fryer there. Mm-hmm. And so this is a joint effort by St. Joseph Radio, which has been involved with Orange County Catholicism for for decades in joint sponsorship with the Diocese of Orange. So as Catholic Man of the Year, we had a number of people who were nominated, and each of them is considered a Catholic Man of the Year for their own parish or organization. But here's how they went about choosing who it was who was going to be the Catholic Man of the Year for the Diocese. They take the theme of the year, which had to do with fatherhood, and apply it to the bio of the person, and then they choose one out of all these different people. And there were so many well-qualified people. I mean, as we were going through, I'm thinking, I know that guy. He's the one who's going to win. Oh, wait. No, I know that guy, too. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. So-and-so is going to win. Uh, and I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. There's all these different people who are there. I'm sure you were thinking, oh, that's the one, isn't it? And here's the bio. Don has a 40-year history of service in the church and the community. Curcio, First Friday Friars and Sacramental teacher. He is also a board member of Orange Foundation, St. Joseph Hospital, and St. Thomas More Society. Don has been involved in the Boy Scouts for 48 years. He also is active in Kairos Prison Ministry. Besides his involvement in these ministries, Don epitomizes Christian discipleship, running the gamut from humble service to the homeless to advising the Bishop of Orange and many Catholic corporate bodies on legal and spiritual matters. Don has always lived and integrated his Catholic faith by living what he teaches. So when we're talking about Don, we're talking about a Catholic man of great service. You don't have to say a word about that because you're you're a very humble man as well. I'm sure you wouldn't have put all that down, but it's a very inspiring thing to read, and that's also one of the reasons why this is done. All these men 
have great bios that are not so dissimilar as they're similar in that they're all great men who have done many things in their lives to live out a life faithful to Christ. And quite often that's humble things around the church, but it can also be some very great things. So with that in mind, I want to get right to you for a moment. Don, when you're thinking about your life as a called man of Christ, as Catholic Man of the Year, what does that mean to you? Well, uh, you know, that's a really that's a really good question. Uh, I, let me start off by saying that a uh, significant number of um, the people who are up on the stage with me, the other honorees, were very good, very long-time friends of mine. Um, you know, Mike Cushing, just an incredible man of God. And uh, he and I email each other back, I'm, I'm sorry, five, six times a week about things that are troubling both of us. You look at... Um, uh, Dr. Fortinace, what a what a wonderful man. Vincent's just tire- had tireless. Had here too before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, tireless in his pursuit of uh, Catholic-based uh, medical issues, and um, the the number of people that were were um, on the stage up there with me. I, I think there were only two people that I hadn't known before, and most of these guys uh, were, were people that I've known for years. And so, from that standpoint, I don't really know what motivated them to choose me over um, some of these other people. Uh, uh, Bernie Ocampo, for example, very, very good friend of mine who's uh, in the diaconate program now. And I think that for a man his age, he's done, an, he's he's probably 20 years younger than I am, and he's probably done enough work to be 20 years older than I am in terms of what he's done <laughs> on behalf of the church. Just an amazing servant. So I don't question it. I guess it's easy to say you don't question it when you've won, but uh, but the fact is, what I what I do wonder about is I, I was talking to uh, Greg Weiler, who's the one who uh, wrote what you have in front of you there. Who has also been a Catholic man. He was man Catholic of man of the year, yes. In fact, I nominated him years ago. Um, we're, we're, he was the third president of the Thomas More Society uh, following my tenure there. Let me also make a clarification here. Thomas More Society means that you are a lawyer. Yes. Which means that all those jokes we've heard don't necessarily always apply to everybody. <laughs> so there are some good ones that are out there. I know, I know about on three. On a moral level. Yeah, I know about three lawyers that they don't apply to, actually, Rick. <laughs> uh, They're all uh, the Thomas Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the fact is that uh, Greg Weiler and I were talking about this. And I, when, when he first told me that the society wanted to nominate me, I said, you know, I, I don't really think I should do that. I've won enough awards in my life. And, uh, I think it's, um, my wife said, uh, I didn't have any room left on my shelves in the den anyway for another trophy, but uh, no one uh, wants to dust it either. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but you know, the, the thing is, as Greg said, I had actually nominated, uh, going all the way back to Denny Riopel, very dear friend of mine who's, uh, gone home and is with the Lord. But, uh, I nominated him years ago on behalf of the, uh, first Friday Friars. And he did not want to do it at all. He said, "This I, I don't do these things for glory. And I said, well, you know, Denny, if you don't do it, I'll make up a bio for you. <laughs> and and I, I named a lot of things that, you know, this guy who had, had, been, had been a longtime football fan, Denny was such a spectacular Catholic man. I mean, it gives me chills. I mean, I, I actually did something I normally don't do. I kind of cut into line when I was uh, getting uh, knighted uh, in the Knights of Columbus. Uh, from one line to another, to the chagrin of the fellow behind me, and I apologized uh, to him for it later on. But I wanted to be knighted by Denny Riopel. That's the kind of guy. He, <laughs> that's the kind of guy he was. And uh, but after it was over, a- and after he had won the Catholic Man of the Year, 
his wife said to him, you know, I was so proud of you before the dinner, and I'm no more proud of you than I was before the dinner, but I'm very grateful for all the young people that got to hear about how much one man can accomplish in his lifetime. And, That's what's uh, important about that. Yeah. And Denny was, Denny was a champion of everything. I mean, now we're Curcio's with him, uh, Kairos w- with him, with the uh, First Friday Friars who were on the board together for years. And uh, he absolutely did not want to have his name put up for that. But it but was see that's kind of the point. You know, Sheila Beingessner has been involved in sure. radio for many, many years. And Sheila B. Sheila B. <laughs> and she, that's her, that's her symbol, a little B. It is. And she, we've had her on here to discuss Catholic Man of the Year. Mm-hmm. To her, and the entire focus that she talks about is that these very humble men, almost none of them, seek this out in any way and are embarrassed to have quite a bit of their stuff put up there, but this is not for them in the end. This is not about, frankly, Don, it's not about you. This sure. is about other people who are going to look at what good Catholic men can and do do in order to accomplish God's will in in thousands of small ways, some ways that turn into big ways, but all started at, in small ways. And to have that kind of an inspiration, to have that kind of example, it, it was the whole point of why we look at saints. It's not just so that we have someone to pray for us in heaven, though Absolutely. that's good. It's also an inspiration. You sure. can do that. And uh, many of these people that we look to for inspiration, well, they're not just people from 500 years ago. These are people from our community here and now in Orange Absolutely. County. Absolutely. In teaching the first communion classes at San Antonio, and if Deacon Doug's listening, it's San Antonio de Padua del Canyon. But, uh, I, I would appreciate that. Yeah, I will. In teaching these young people, we absolutely bring the saints up every single week of class. And we try to find the ones from more recent times. And there's, uh, one, I can't believe I can't remember his name, but he's a, he was an Italian fellow who died very young. He was an, an athlete. Pierce, P-I-E-R-S, uh, was his first name. An Italian saint. And when I read about him to the young uh, guys in our class, their their faces lit up. Wow. And one of the kids, a great little kid, he looks up and he, he actually, we have these big posters about the saints. And he looked at it and he says, I could do that. Yes. You know? <laughs> and, that's, and I said, you know, bingo, dude, you got the idea. You could yeah. do that, too. That's why we That's why we're here. And that's what Catholic Man of the Year was all about, which is why it's so very important for us to read these biographies while the men are walking up. The dinner was held a few weeks ago, and again, Bishop Fryer was there, and the honors that are there are very nice. But what is impressive for most people is that as people are are walking in, their bios are being uh, read, and everyone gets to know not only the name, but the highlights of what people, other people, thought were important about these people. And these men um, who generally fade into the background a lot of the times, you can see them smile just a little bit uh, about um, being reminded that they are, at least at this point in their lives, a job well done. Sure. And that's inspiring and that's important. I want to talk to you for a moment. We've only got a couple minutes left in this first segment, but I want to talk to you for a moment about what you think to be the most important thing that you have done as a Catholic man of God. You are your Catholic man of the year, and so it kind of puts you on a, it gives you a platform of sorts. What do you think is the most important thing that you have done that you would like people to know about? Uh, you know, actually, the, the, the there's it's 
One idea that uh, permeates uh, several of the different ministries and movements that I've been involved with, and that is uh, the energy that my wife and I uh, put towards evangelizing people who have gone away from the church to bring them back, as well as getting youngsters to appreciate the complete blessing it is to be able to receive the body and blood of Christ and to make that a lifelong pursuit, to, to stay wow. worthy of that. And um, w- one of the primary ways it's, that that has happened to me was as a result of Curseal, because uh, that's where Curseal really exploded. I, I, I said at the night of the, the dinner that um, I became a Catholic, not quite as an accommodation, but almost as an, just an accommodation to my family, because... I was uh, going to Mass with him, but my young sons were asking me why I didn't go up to get the body of Christ. And, um, oh, you I, married a Catholic then? I did marry a good Irish Catholic girl. <laughs> and, um, but I, I was married for 22 years before I converted. I, wow. you know, and, and, um, it was my son's concern, my two sons that wanted to know. I have two daughters, but they never made an issue of it because they saw their mom going up. Yeah, yeah. And they figured it was just like when, uh, dad was out in the garden instead of washing dishes that he was yeah. doing something else. But I, I went to um, I, well, I went to RCIA all, all, and all gender issues aside, sons will look to their fathers. Oh, absolutely. They want to know how do I be like dad? Well, what is dad doing and why or why not? Absolutely. And immediately following Curcio, about a year and a half after I uh, after after I, I had uh, been confirmed as a Catholic, I started uh, pushing both for uh, Boy Scout campouts and for Indian guides and Indian princess campouts to bring uh, a Sunday service more to the center of what we were doing. And ultimately, uh, t- to say, hey, we may be half uh, Protestant and half Catholic in this tribe or this troop, but when the camp out is over, all the Catholics are going to go to Mass. And um, we did, and it, and it made a tremendous impact on the kids. And we pushed and pushed for that. And with Curcio, we've we've been blessed to be able to bring a lot of people into Curcio. And what Curcio does is it it starts other organizations in specific environments to bring uh, those environments closer to Christ. We're going to take a brief break, and this is a perfect place to break because I do want to get into Curcio. Uh, we have actually a, a, a link here that I want to make sure our, our, we talk briefly about. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Don Hunsberger, who is Catholic Man of the Year for the Diocese of Orange, and we will be right back. Hey everyone, Timory from Trending with Timory's here. This week I have a licensed marriage and family therapist in studio with me. And we're talking about the dissatisfaction that so many people experience within marriage. Maybe you have it yourself, but there are some key ways to work on your marriage. Be a little more self-aware. Make sure to join me for that and more on Trending with Timory this Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific here on Relevant Radio. This is John Romeri, Director of Music at Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, California. We are just months away from the dedication of our beautiful cathedral, but in the meantime, we have some spectacular concerts at Christ Cathedral. Check out our website at ChristCathedralMusic.org or our Facebook page at Christ Cathedral Music. We'd love to see you here. Christ Cathedral Concerts, great music in a sacred place. For tickets, visit ChristCathedralMusic.org.
And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope on the beautiful campus of Christ Cathedral, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today from beautiful Irvine area, I believe, is where you practice your law. That's in over in Tustin. Yes. Over in Tustin, okay, is Don Hunsberger. And Don, now say your last name in German again. we got to get it right. Well, originally, off Deutsch, it's uh, von Hunsberg. But uh, my uh, ancestors back around the uh, 14th century didn't want anybody to think we were um, nobility, so they changed it to Hunsberger. Uh, but it's we say Hunsberger, unless you're in, up in Canada, and then it's uh, Hunsberger. Hunsberger. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in Quebec. But that's yeah, it. <laughs> right. All right. And we were we were discussing the fact that you happen to be this year's Catholic Man of the Year, and that is for the Diocese of Orange and through St. Joseph Radio. And... Several things have come up in our conversation because you've been doing several things in your life as a Catholic man. And you were talking about this this last moment about how several things led you into Curcio. And I happen to know Curcio only through the back door. I have not gone through Curcio yet. But we can change that. Right? I, I, I know. I, I, yeah. As soon as I said that, I do. I'm going to be recruited here. Oh, absolutely. Moment, it's already begun, my brother. <laughs> well, well, my father-in-law is someone that you know, and he's now sure. since passed. But, a very uh, fine cursiista. He, and he was singing. He was. He'll be singing God's praises the the day that you actually get into a cursia weekend. <laughs> believe me. Frank Brown was uh, not only involved with the prison ministry with you, Kairos Prison Ministry, which I want to get into in a little bit, but he was deeply involved in cursio. What is cursio for those well, of us who are not initiated? Well, definitionally, cursio is Spanish for little class, and it's a a three day uh, Thursday night through Sunday night a three-day process of um, uh, bringing people closer to Christ. The goal is for Catholic men and women to be part of um, uh, groups that hold us each accountable among ourselves for the, the process of following a pattern of piety, study, and action. And the concept is that we owe it to ourselves and to the church to continuously be learning about the faith, continuously be working to allow the process that the Holy Spirit wants to go on uh, inside of us, a metanoia of our faith. And then ultimately, all of that adds up to the uh, availability to be uh, bringing people to Christ uh, in the action part. That's the evangelization part. And we mentioned um, before we got started here, uh, Dennis uh, Melbourne, Mark Dennis, and uh, uh, another uh, friend of mine, Tom Schulte, the two of them, evangelized my wife and me. Actually, they evangelized me and their wives <laughs> evangelized my wife. And uh, my wife and I, back in uh, 1998, uh, did a uh, Curcio weekend. It absolutely changed our lives. And in, in every single way that it changed it, it has been positive from our faith walk. As a result of Curcio, um, I, at the beginning of every year, I don't make New Year's resolutions. I make a new curriculum for my year of study, the areas that I feel uh, in, in discussing it with my spiritual advisor, what, where I need uh, further development. And it's caused me to become much more familiar with church history, sure. with uh, issues of uh, magisterium, with cultural issues going on uh, in the, uh, worldwide with the church. And it's what made it possible for me to be a strong part of uh, both Kairos and uh, the Thomas More Society, both of which had their roots in Curcio. So Curcio has been a revolutionary movement for people that get involved with it. Especially Absolutely. Those who are, those who are taken by it. I, I know when my father-in-law passed away, 
the very last song at his funeral, I mean, shocked some people, at least momentarily. It was not only De Calores, but it was De Calores done in, in the fast cadence. Yes, it absolutely. Came, it's not De Calores. No, 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 no. Y por eso los grandes amores de muchos colores de tempo, yes. Absolutely. And it was, uh, it was the way that they, that they ended the whole funeral. It was like, yeah, that actually fit for him. <laughs> it really did. What, what a grand thing to say about a man. Yeah. That, De Caloris fit as a last song at his funeral. I can't think of a better thing to say about a guy. Well, That's just a wonderful thing. He he was the kind of guy, and I don't want to get sidetracked by it too much. He was the kind of guy that he would ask just a couple of questions about you to find out politically were you on the left or on the right. And then he would come at you from the other direction just to get your goat, just to see if he could. And he would. So, so if he was at a family gathering, he was always dangerous because you do, whoever you're going to put next to him, if he was from the other political stripe, be careful. That was my father-in-law. And you know not only, you mentioned Mark Dennis, who is has been involved in radio for a long time, passed away uh, not that long ago. You know a number of these people, and you've been involved in a in a symbiotic relationship is how I, th- I think I would describe it. I've been listening to how both you've been talking on the air, but also in some of the lead up time when before we got on the air, we were just having conversation. And all these people you're talking about, you're also talking about in a living relationship of exchange of dialogue, even people who you were talking about where there was some difficulty in your relationship. It wasn't hostile. It was difficulty it was stress <laughs> and it was more of a challenge at least that's how it came across to you am i describing how you see your relationship with the rest of the church oh yes very much so it's my honor and privilege to work with the uh, orange catholic foundation on on the board and i'm on the executive committee i'm the secretary of the foundation and i work with virtually every parish in the diocese in attempting to uh, help those parishes to um bring their parishioners uh, into a, a mode of not just tithing, but of, of leaving part of their legacy to the church. And what, what happens is that as you meet 50, 70, 100, 150 priests, you meet some of the grandest people on earth, but they're people who have very definite opinions about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and thank God for that, because I, you know we need to challenge each other, steel hardened steel. And... Um, I, I was on the phone with two different priests this morning, most mornings uh, and afternoons. I'm talking to priests about what's going on with their participation in the foundation. And what, what happens is that frequently we get sidetracked on issues uh, related to what's going on in the parish outside of the financial side of things. And so it's a privilege to be able to talk with these wonderful men, both on the parish level and on the diocesan level, about some of the things that are going on. There are many times when one of us will say, either the priest will say or I'll say, we need to finish this over uh, dinner, and then we get together for dinner. <laughs> and and sometimes, it, sometimes it takes a dinner and a half, but it's well worth it, at least to me. I can't say whether it's worth <laughs> it to the priest or not. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, it's not. By the way, it's not just priests, it's deacons as well. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm one of those people that... Um, well, we have one particular priest who comes to a couple of holidays a year with us for the family. And I, and I was walking him out to his car one night, and he stopped. He said, Don, you know what I really like about your family? I said, uh, well, our stunning good looks or our rapier wit? And he says, well, no. Uh, <laughs> he said, I like the fact that when I sit at your table, I don't have to ask answer questions like, why can't 
women be priests or why is um, uh, contraception wrong or whatever. And I said, well, we've all discussed that before, yeah. Father, and, and they, they all understand why. That's all milk, Father. We're yeah. trying to beat now. Yeah, we've we got more important things to talk about at this point, and that's like uh, what's what's keeping you sane in a, in a crazy world of people asking those questions. I actually would like to know what keeps you sane. I, I know that your regular life is one of financial planning. You are a financial planning well, Estate type planning attorney. Estate yeah, planning. Yeah. So without going into a big commercial for you, what you do, what is it that you do in your regular life? You know, I was up at, uh, I'm one of the regents for uh, Thomas Aquinas uh, College, and I was up there the day that uh, Hugh Hewitt was up there uh, interviewing uh, students. And... Um, at the end of the day, after he had spoken with, I'm going to say, probably 25 of the students up there, he looked at me and he, he looked at one of the uh, administration and he says, you know, I've I've been a part of some of the, I think, modestly, I could say, better educational institutions in the United States, but I've never seen a group of students that were as steady and as grounded as these students. He looked at me and he said, how do they do that? And I said, Hugh. They can go to confession three to five times a day if they want to, and they can go to mass that many times every day. I said, those are the available times right on campus. And I said, what is going to keep a kid more grounded than being able to be close to the sacraments? And he looked shocked to hear that. And he's a much brighter guy than I am. Uh, And I I told him, I said, don't feel bad about it. I said, I've been up here enough to know what it is. I said, "Uh, but you, you spoke to some really bright kids but you didn't necessarily talk to the brightest ones. You just talked to a, a good mix of kids up here. And, you know, that's the reason that 10% of those kids from that school take vocations. Yeah, they do. For those who don't know Thomas Aquinas College, it's a great books program. They start with, with basically the Greek era, and they work their way up to the modern era through the Britannica series of the great books program. Wonderful program. And I'd encourage anybody who's interested, if you've got kids that are thinking about college, Get in touch with Thomas Aquinas, and before you even let your kids know about it, go up and spend the day sitting in their classrooms. It'll it'll make a believer out of anybody. It certainly did out of out of uh, Mr. Hewitt. He's a he's a smart guy, and he was sold uh, after just one day. But that wasn't my question, Counsel. You asked me about what keeps me sane. <laughs> you know, being able to work on behalf of the church in the areas that I'm, I guess, by the grace of God, competent, gives me uh, a feeling of being grounded. And so that when I am doing estate planning or when I'm working with kids who are building um, furniture for St. Joseph Radio, uh, I've got knowledge in both of those areas, and I can use it for the kingdom of God. And that's what keeps me grounded. Now, I also know that when I'm getting ready for a Curcio weekend or a Kairos weekend or getting ready to give a talk at Thomas More Society, there are going to be some crummy things that start happening. That's just the way the dark side tries to attack us. But... At You're this, on the right track if you've experienced that a lot. Yeah. Oh, it happens every time. <laughs> and it gets it gets to the point where we got notice. It's hard for me to say this uh, without getting very emotional. We got notice of one of my uh, Curcio group. His sons had a skiing accident and broke uh, his back right before the weekend was started. And on the weekend itself, Cindy Bobrook, God rest her soul, who was the, the CEO of the Orange Catholic Foundation, passed away. And, I mean, these things happen... Right at those times, and and it, to the extent that when I turned to my wife, I had my uh, cell phone on speaker, when, and she heard the message from 
my, my Curcio groupie, she says, are you kidding? He thinks that's going to make a difference with what you're going to be doing? Now, she wasn't talking about his dad. Right. She was talking about the dark side. And uh, we actually had um, a young man that, that uh, was very dear to my family. We helped raise him when his mom died. And he was uh, killed in a car crash five days before my Curcio weekend was supposed to start when I was rector for the first time. And um, I was up all night with his dad, and we prayed. Not I'm not saying figuratively. I'm talking from 11 o'clock at night until we left for Mass uh, at uh, 10 till 6, praying about whether or not we should still do the weekend. We decided that it would have to be God's will that we use the pain and the suffering that we were going through uh, to to help men understand that our love for them, for these candidates, was greater than the suffering that we were enduring uh, as a result of the loss of this incredible young man that we love so so deeply. And so we did. And on that weekend, at the end of the weekend, a young man came up and told me that he was a seminarian, which we didn't know, and that he decided that he was not going to go through with his ordination until his Curcio weekend. And he's a, he is a pastor oh, in, wow. in uh, the diocese now. And, uh, and there was just a line of people that stood up Dan Dulac, who uh, is the head of Santiago Retreat Center, came up and said he decided not to sell his land and that turned it into a retreat center as a result of his Curcio weekend. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit that yeah. did that for him. When we come back, I'm going to get back to that question again. Okay. Because you've only half answered it because what you just did was talk about how keeping you sane is by focusing on empowering other people despite the pain that comes your way in the process. Uh, that sounds insane, but that's okay. It sounds like that's what we're talking about. Yes. We are listening to uh, Don Hunsberger, who is Catholic Man of the Year, and we will be right back. The passing of a loved one is a difficult and often sorrowful step in life's journey. The helpful and supportive staff at the Cathedral Memorial Garden Cemetery, located on the 34-acre iconic Christ Cathedral campus, are here to assist you and your family through this transition, offering a central location, serene garden-like grounds, majestic fountains, and a dramatic statuary, all set within the beautiful Christ Cathedral campus. For more information, please visit memorialgardens.christcathedralcalifornia.org or contact 714-489-6102. In L.A. County, there are more than 28,000 children in foster care. And sadly, every day more children enter the system. But their story doesn't have to end there. Maybe you've been thinking about starting or expanding your family. If so, there's a child in foster care waiting for you. A simple visit to fosterall.org can change the course of a child's life and yours. As a proud partner with the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, Foster All takes the guesswork out of navigating the foster-adopt process and will match you with a foster family agency that suits your needs. Each agency is different, so let Foster All be your guide. Log on to fosterall.org. There's a community of amazing people waiting to support your decision to love a child, and Foster All is right beside you the entire way. Do you have room in your heart and your home for a child? Begin your journey with Foster All today at fosterall.org. That's fosterall.org. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. You're listening to Don Hunsberger, who is Catholic Man of the Year for the Diocese of Orange. We are laughing hysterically, and we're only halfway through. You were, though, talking about, we were talking, I was asking you about what keeps you sane, 
and you were discussing about how all these different things you do, you do with a sense that you're doing God's will because the evil one keeps interrupting and keeps trying to get your Absolutely. attention and, and back you away. How does that keep you sane? How does that keep you focused and grounded and n- not overwhelmed by what you're doing? Well, please don't think that it's an easy thing to do, Rick, because I have to tell you, there are times when uh, people that I really respect and admire have just said, I, I can't do this Kairos weekend, I can't do this Kusira weekend, because what has happened has just been too onerous for us. And I understand that. I reject it, and my wife and I have rejected it in our life, because, I mean, the things that have happened uh, were are things that you, you just don't want to have to live through. But at the same time, what sustains us is, uh, and as I t- started to tell you during the break, I honestly believe that Christ's ability was not, in terms of being on the cross, what got him through was not the fact that he was fully divine. I think it's the fact that he was fully human and fully embraced humanity and the need for each human to accept responsibility for the rest of humanity. So being, you know, I, it would be easy to say, well, sure, he was, he was fully divine. Therefore, right. uh, he could, he could have some sort of Superman, uh, me- me- metaphysical elixir that would, would uh, keep the pain away. But he was in agony. Yeah. He was fully human on the cross. And it's, it's like a good buddy of mine from Curcio was over at Me- uh, Medjugorje walking barefoot up the hill on the, on the stones. And he said to his uh, seven year old daughter, sweetheart, my feet are really hurting. I'm going to put my shoes back on. She didn't have her shoes on, and she looked up at her dad and said, that's okay, Daddy. You know, though, Daddy, I wonder if Jesus felt pain while he was carrying the cross. And my buddy said, <laughs> "My buddy said, you know what? Those shoes stayed in my knapsack. And uh, but but that's you know that's really yeah. that's where the way I think we need to look at pain. Now, I'm not saying that that I'm immune to the pain or the suffering or the emotional agony that goes along with Easter Sunday ten years ago. My daughter lost two beautiful daughters. Oh, and, wow. it, and it was it was in you know the seventh month of pregnancy, and that was oh. one of the worst things you could imagine going through." And uh, probably the worst thing that I can imagine. But yet my wife's groupies were there at the hospital with us the entire time. All, all three and a half days they were there to comfort my wife. My groupies came in constantly to pray with us. And so it's not just knowledge that we're helping other people. It's the help that we get from our brothers and sisters in Christ through Thomas Moore and Kairos and Curcio, primarily Curcio in our lives because our Curcio groups are very, very strong. My wife and I are so blessed. I tell people all the time when I'm counseling with uh, uh, young men who are getting married, some of my scouts, I'll tell them the best thing you can do for your wife, the first thing you should do is to make sure that she's gone through Curcio because when you're gone, and statistically we're gone before they are, uh, she'll have a group of sisters in Christ to carry her through. The second thing is get a life insurance policy. You know, I don't sell life insurance. I'm no, a lawyer, but Knights of Columbus does. Yeah, Knights of Columbus, and they do a wonderful job with they it. Do. My brother Knights are blessed because of that. But um, that's where, as far as the sanity goes, and and you know, also you really asked me two questions on there because you said, how do I maintain my sanity? The first question is, do I maintain my sanity? And I think I'm I, presuming here, but okay. Yeah. Well, no, you know, I think. Um, it's been uh, said and reiterated several times, not just in Scripture, but by many of the saints, that wise men are fools for Christ. 
and uh, what the world can, uh, you know, absolutely. And I and I'm I'm gratified when people about my work tell me that I'm obsessive, and I'm gratified when people in uh, faith-related matters tell me that I'm insane. That's really what I'm going for. Well, then I want to back up for a moment because sure. we're, we've been talking really about what the the last, especially the last few years have been. But I know it goes back longer than that. But you've not always been Catholic. That's right. Were you always Christian, first of all? Yes, I came from a very, very strong uh, Christian family. Okay, God bless but it somebody. was a it was a Protestant yes. Christian family on the Calvinist side of the house. Um, that's the way I was raised. My parents uh, were originally raised as um, uh, Lutherans, and and okay. after after the Presbyterian Church gave a hundred thousand dollars to the Angela Davis Defense Fund, <laughs> my father, who was a veteran of uh, uh, multiple not just multiple wars but multiple battles as a naval Navy corpsman. Uh, those are the guys that are pulling the Marines off the battlefield. Uh, he said, you know, I fought battles on on four different continents against communism and Nazism, and I'm not going to be a member of a church that's giving $100,000 to a communist. So he left the Presbyterian Church, became a Lutheran. That was right at the time when I went away to a Methodist university and met a beautiful Catholic girl, uh, fell madly in love with her. Uh, we got married, and I just kind of r- remained uh, unattached as far as any particular denomination, went to church two to three times a month with her, but I also went to uh, a number of Lutheran and uh, evangelical free churches until finally. EV free. Huh? Yes, right. right. I'm familiar with it. But sure, I, I imagine you would be. But anyway, so you were already then a, a committed Christian, even though certain things have changed you and put a magnifying glass clearly on what that has become in your life. What got you then finally hooked on the Catholic understanding of Christ? One Sunday, you know, we we typically after mass at St. Norbert's would go to uh, breakfast. My uh, seven-year-old, then seven, now thirty-year-old son, said, uh, "Dad, why don't you go up with us to receive the body of Christ?" And uh, my wife just sort of looked down and to hide her uh, no. grin because she'd been waiting for that question for a long time. <laughs> and uh, I said, "Well, I'm I'm not Catholic, son." And he said, "Well, don't you believe that it is the body and blood of Christ?" And I said, well, son, actually, I do. And, and, and he looked at me very puzzled. And he said, well, then why aren't you Catholic? Yeah. And um, I... Uh, follow I, through, Dad. Follow through. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was actually terrified that he might become a lawyer someday. Oh. Uh, because it was he, he, he had done a much better job of just getting right to the core of it uh, than mm-hmm. any of the... And I actually had a lot of priests as friends. and I, I yeah. really did. And still do. What, uh, so I, I went up to... And none of them asked you to become Catholic. They talked to me about it, but then they kind of yeah. backed away. All right. There were some things that a couple of them couldn't answer. I've since gone back and, and had uh, lunch and breakfast and dinners with them and told them what I think Learned. are the right answers. Yeah. 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 So anyway, my, uh, so my, my son is what I'm going to do it. I was what I would call an accommodation Catholic at that point. And I did, you know, I was going to mass and I was doing two or three perfunctory things around the parish. But um, it was when my neighbor and uh, a very dear friend, Tom Schulte, and, and uh, Mark Dennis, both, or Dennis Melbourne, both got me uh, to start thinking about uh, Curcio. And then very deftly, Tom Schulte, who is now a retired judge, uh, came over to my house, uh, dropped a, an application on the table in front of me, said, here's a pen, sign it. And uh, as, since I uh, have great uh, respect for his uh, instructions, uh, not necessarily as a friend, but as a judge, I uh, I signed it, went on the weekend, and uh, up the hill to Marywood, I turned to Tom and I said, now, Tom, 
there's not going to be any of this hugging, uh, I'll, I'll call it bovine byproduct. Uh, out of, yeah, uh, thank you for the euphemism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I said well, there's not going to be any of that uh, hugging nonsense that goes on here. And he's, oh, Don, you don't have to be part of that if you don't want to. By the time the weekend was over, he had to wait over half an hour for me because he was giving me a ride home so that I could finish hugging every guy on the team and everybody that was a candidate that weekend. And my, my life changed. I mean, I, I totally changed. And I, now, this I, was Curcio. This is Curcio. Wow. Absolutely. So becoming Catholic was only part of your transformation. Right. Becoming part of Curcio really completed it for you. Curcio completed it. And I can't really say Curcio completed it. Curcio is completing it, even it's as a, we it's speak. It's a process. Absolutely. It's a metanoia, which is a phrase you know very well, yeah. and it's one that we use a lot in Curcio because that's what we're praying for, is to constantly be uh, going through a process of metanoia. For our listening audience, metanoia has to do with a transformation. Yes. Total, complete, ongoing transformation in Christ. Yeah. Correct. So, very well defined. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> like I got a degree in this stuff I, I'm a long say, time you ago. Should, you should consider getting another degree. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. For our listening audience, I, I, you can pray for me. I'm going up for comprehensive exams in, in uh, PhD in religious studies this next month or so. So that's out of UCR secular programs. And, and, and on Rick's behalf, I'm going to ask for everyone's prayers uh, with respect okay. to that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I deeply appreciate that. The transformation then in your life, it sounds like if I were to try to summarize it, has to do with the people in your life who have brought you into active Catholic faith, and then the rest of it has been you engaging that active Catholic faith in response back to them. The, reciproc- the reciprocity involved. I think I think that's a, an accurate assessment. The only tweak I would add to that would be to say that I think the one by necessity follows the other. I, I can't imagine someone maintaining that he had been really a person who experienced the type of explosive metanoia that you have on a Curcio weekend who didn't then get involved either with Curcio or some other form of uh, evangelical work. And it could be something as simple as working around the church to make certain that uh, all of the roses are looking the way they should so that uh, mom and dad feel comfortable when they come to Mass. But somehow... It's got to operate to create a change in your life. Otherwise, I don't, I can't imagine. Now, I'm not saying that God couldn't cause that to happen. That is to say that God couldn't cause someone to have a great metanoia in his life, but a great explosion of faith without having it change his life. But I just can't imagine it. It would be like getting on the freeway on the on ramp and then instead of accelerating to 70 miles an hour, pulling off to the side and just sitting. There. Yeah. Why, why did why you bother? You yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. For you, then, the only thing that I, I'm hearing that's fulfilling for you is when you are engaged in doing for others. Is that fair? It's pretty much fair. Understanding that... That's, I don't hear fly fishing in, in No, this. well, you know, <laughs> I, I don't play golf, and I don't, you know, I do a lot of outdoor stuff with, um, you know, I, I, it's my 50th year as, as a Boy Scout leader, and I, and I used to be on the board for the Indian Guides and Indian Princesses long after my kids were out of it. But um, I don't really have the physical energy for that as much as I used to. And, uh, you know, I was up until the end doing um, rock repelling and rock climbing and so forth. And I don't really have the energy to do that because we're, we put in a lot of time on But you were stuff. doing that in, in, in concert with what you were doing for other people. Yes, absolutely. But at the same time, uh, it's a joy to be teaching a kid how to walk right through something that he's terrified of and learning 
that that same steadfast faith that allowed him to do something that he was afraid to do can be applied to so many other parts of his life, particularly his faith. That is, that's a profound statement, that you can take these things you walk through that are so difficult and learn from them so you can apply them next time to something totally different, sure. yet totally the same. It's always difficult, sure. but you can always do it with the faith of God. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and with me today is Don Hunsberger, who is the man of the year for the Diocese of Orange and for um, St. Joseph Radio. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you a question about sacramentality and sacraments, which I know has been huge in your world. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and we will be right back. This is John Romeri, Director of Music at Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, California. We are just months away from the dedication of our beautiful cathedral, but in the meantime, we have some spectacular concerts at Christ Cathedral. Check out our website at ChristCathedralMusic.org or our Facebook page at Christ Cathedral Music. We'd love to see you here. Christ Cathedral Concerts, great music in a sacred place. For tickets, visit ChristCathedralMusic.org. Located on the beautiful Christ Cathedral campus in Garden Grove, Christ Cathedral Academy is a preschool through 8th grade private Catholic school offering an excellent and well-rounded education. Program features include a dynamic choral program, Meet the Master's Arts program, and a full orchestra ensemble. Additionally, the Academy offers a one-to-one technology program, integrating iPads, smart boards, and digital curriculum into every classroom. At Christ Cathedral Academy, our mission is to form leaders who share the rewards of religious and academic study so that they may praise God, bless our world, and preach the truth. We are now enrolling students for the next academic year. Call to schedule a tour and witness the amazing opportunities your child could be receiving at Christ Cathedral Academy. Call to schedule a tour, 714-663-2330, or visit ChristCathedral.academy. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. And before we go any further, I want to make sure, before I forget, I want to thank you, Don, for being on. Uh, our listening audience has had a treat. You've been listening to Don uh, Hunsberger, who is Catholic Man of the Year for the Diocese of Orange. And I think everyone who's been listening for the last 45 minutes or so understands why. The, there's a an infection that comes from him where if you haven't caught Catholic faith yet, you will by being around this man, which is why he's Catholic Man of the Year. There's there, That's the honest truth, I'm sure. So it wasn't those cases of Chablis that I sent over to the to the judges? That was helpful. That was very helpful. They were quite happy when they were voting. Uh, but, but the bottom line really has been that the last 45 minutes has been uh, quite a, a tour de force of why it is that we're Catholic. And, and that's something that we were talking about in the last section about why you became Catholic and what has helped complete that. Though you corrected me, it's not completed. It's in the process of completing uh, as we go through, especially with Crisio. One of the things we talked about, though, before we got on the air was the centrality of Catholic sacraments. And it's something that when we were talking before, I, I come from a Calvinist tradition. Um, you come from a Calvinist Reformed tradition, and sacraments in that tradition are very symbolic. They don't have, they don't, they're not a real conveyor of grace. Mm -hmm. 
they are a conveyor, I would almost say a memory of grace or a symbol of grace, but they're not an actual conveyor of grace. And for me, it was important to have that direct encounter with the grace of God. It's it's like, I can only say it's like the woman with the hemorrhage who, when she touches Jesus's garment, she's healed and she feels it. She has faith up to that point beforehand, but she doesn't receive the healing until she actually makes the contact. And the way it's described in Scripture, it's almost like an electrical circuit that's being completed there. He feels the power go out, doesn't know who it went to, because it was available to anyone who really wanted to avail of it, and she did, but she had to act on it, and then had to come in contact with it, and it had to be real, it had to be his presence, and it was, and it was effective, and it came to her, and it was life-changing for her. And it's that entire package that's so Catholic, and there's no good way as a Protestant that I've ever been able to make sense of that the way Catholics do. So I want to ask you, because I, I know everything I just said in there, you're nodding your head, they can't see that on the on the air. <laughs> what is sacrament meant to you in well, your life? Well, y- your, your example of the woman touching our Lord's uh, hem is, is just such a powerful one. My wife, Kathy, and I just got back from um, a trip to the Holy Land where uh, one of the places we stopped, and I'm not going to say it right, but it's uh, the home of Mary Magdalene. And the, one of the chapels uh, that they have, uh, there's about a 15-foot-wide uh, painting of nothing but feet and ankles and one hand reaching over towards the hem of one of the men's uh, robes. And my wife and I were so moved by that that we got a, a copy of it to put in our dining room. Wow. And that story, in my estimation, is so central to my understanding of uh, appreciation of and love for the sacraments because it explains not just the importance of sacraments but the importance of Mary. I was talking to you about a, a fellow down in, in uh, Waco, Texas that I had an argument with one time. Uh, one time it was over um, several This was hours. A, a professor. T- well, this was when you were over at a university having a discussion yes, with people. Yes, yes, yes. And um, the first topic I, I, I said I wanted to talk about before we got into the sacraments was Mary. Because he made the statement that Mary was just another saint. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know how you can say that and still maintain to be a Bible-believing professor. And, and he was stunned that I said that. And I, I, I raised that particular point of the uh, Scripture, and I, and, and I said, doesn't that prove it to you? And he said, well, she's not even in that Scripture. And I said, of course she is. I said, this is a woman touching his hem for a millisecond. What about a woman who had him in her womb for the entire gestation period, nine months of Christ in her womb? What about the times when he tripped and fell and, and she picked him up and held him? Uh, and besides that, the scripture tells us that uh, the angel told her she was full of grace. I said, Professor, are you full of grace? And he, and he said, well, did no. You th- did you throw the Greek at him by each No, I didn't. Characterectomene is yeah. Present perfect participle. It's one that continues. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so when you talk about the sacraments, there, there is the same reality to that story about, you know, I, I go so far as when I'm explaining this to, to Boy Scouts, I say, not only was it like a shock, but Christ recognized it because his being not only the Son of God, but in some ways the, the, father of all engineers, of all architects, who in his existence knew how much grace was was exuded by that touching. And so 
when anything like that happens, whether it's the grace that's imparted at uh, Mass or whether it's the grace that is imparted from uh, prayer, whatever grace is given, the, our Lord is aware of it. And in the sacraments, it's even more so, because our, the sacraments, uh, in, in my experience, are what makes the difference between the efforts of Catholics in prison uh, doing prison ministry and the efforts of other people, because there's a, a level of certainty. And I, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I know. I know some Presbyterians and Lutherans that I do prison work with who are absolutely confident that the Lord's going to honor their work, and I understand that. But they will just give it as a generic sense of God will answer prayer. Catholics have a different perspective on that, thanks to the the sacraments, starting with the Eucharist and working out towards all the other sacraments, to the extent that. The confidence that I have in a priest is is so complete simply because of that sacrament of holy orders. And, and I know we can count on those sacraments. And if anything, I think that there are some other things that we ought to view as having the same sacramental significance. For example, when Christ tells us uh, when more than when two or more are gathered in his name, so let's get together and pray. God's promised us that he'll be there with us. And uh, and that's not something that should be taken casually. It's something that should be done fervently and frequently and with great ardor. And that's what Curcio does for us. Our Curcio groups, and we've agreed in our group that we treat the meeting as having a sacramental significance because we are being accountable for each other's well-being. Um, the Imitation of Christ, uh, Thomas Akempis, there is one of the entries for one of the days i remember i told i came home from uh, morning mass uh, one one saturday morning and i said you know i i, I to my wife kathy uh, i should say my beautiful wife kathy for all my Curcio friends um <laughs> when i came home and, and saw my wife i said you know the eucharist is so many things but one of the things that i appreciate most is it's like a spiritual vaccination shot it's like a booster shot and my wife said well that's kind of irreverent to, to reduce it to that. And I said, well, all right, I'll go to confession this afternoon, which I did. <laughs> and um, But then about a week later, I was reading in uh, the uh, Imitation of Christ where Thomas Akempa says, oh, blessed medicine to my soul. Yes. Well, maybe that's more appropriate than saying a booster shot. But uh, I'm not I... as, I'm not as uh, profoundly blessed uh, verbally as, as Thomas Akempa's. But at least you I, do I, I was on the right. I was on the right track. Thanks. I was on the right track by telling her. That's exactly the feeling that I got. And the other thing is, when I was praying after the death of my father, I was in mass praying when the the, the my groupies uh, sponsored a mass for him, and I was praying. And um, Sister Frances Leary, who used to be uh, principal at St. Norbert School, came over and knelt down beside me, waited until I was done, and she said, "Don, I'm so sorry about the death of your father, but." I'm so glad that you're going to Mass, because just remember, every time you receive the body of Christ, you're dining with your Father at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. And What I, a great reminder. And I knew the truth of what she said, because of what it tells us in the Apostles' Creed, that there, you know the, the fact that we accept the concept of the communion of saints. But that notion, I took to prison with me one time, with a guy that was mourning his mother passing and the fact that he could go to her funeral and i pulled a, a hymnal off the wall showed him the communion of saints language in the apostles creed explained to him what it meant 
and he accepted Christ in his life at that moment. And I went out, and I was informed that I'd taken the wrong guy in there. I was supposed to take a different guy in to pray, and the guy that I'd taken in there, who had never asked to pray, they said, he's actually head of the Aryan Brotherhood here, and he only comes to these meetings to find out who the Christians are so he can uh, kick our mules. And uh, so what... What happened there was that that lesson that I received at the at the altar from Sister Francis, wow. I was able to use and to pass on to a man who had no intention. And by the way, that man's shadow was so broad in that prison that 42 men that weekend, just because they knew that he had done it and that it would give them license to accept Christ without getting their mules kicked, they accepted Christ on that weekend. Praise be to God, who wow. was the author of that story. Wow. So, um, the sacraments. The sacraments. mean everything. Absolutely. Wow. You have been listening to Don Hunsberger. And, Don, I want to, again, thank you for coming in. My I, pleasure. I want to invite you back. We're going to talk a little bit after the this show here about having you come back on a couple of things. But thank you so much for sharing so much about you this time because – as Catholic Man of the Year, I've been listening, and I barely heard anything really about what you feel about you, but you have said an awful lot about what you feel about Christ and the people that Christ leads you to, and that seems to be kind of the story of your life, which has been how Christ has empowered you to empower other people toward metanoia. Well, Rick, that's the nicest compliment that uh, anybody's paid me for a long time, other than uh, just one of my granddaughters yesterday saying, I love you, Papa. You know. Yeah, those are that's that's an even better one to be honest with you. <laughs> it really is. Um, I'll tell you the story of a doctor who's got a new granddaughter who shouldn't have survived, and that's what he says. If God gives us that thank you at some point from her to her mother for for keeping me safe, then this would have all been worth it. Would you do us the honor of praying for us on the way out? I would be delighted to. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to discuss the glory of your sacraments, the blessings of your blessed Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for Curcio, and we want to thank you for the fact that we have a weekend in July that Rick will be able to attend. <laughs> and um, we also want to thank you for the friendships that are engendered through the love of Jesus Christ and those of us who stay close to the vine. All things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Once again, Don, I want to thank you for coming on. You've been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With us today has been Don Hunsberger, who is the 2019 Man of the Year for the Diocese of Orange and for St. Joseph Radio. And if you would like to listen to this again, and there was an awful lot to listen to, uh, you can uh, download the podcast of this at OCCatholic.com and go to the OC Catholic Radio section of that uh, website and you will see the latest podcast. This one will be up shortly after it is aired. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will see you again next week.